Good Monday morning. A dangerous storm hammering the West Coast. And it just won't stop. It's February 5th. Good morning. This is Today. Underwater flash floods, landslides, and dramatic rescues in California. Sleeping like seven feet away, just bam. A massive life-threatening storm soaking nearly the entire state, and the situation set to get even worse. Al is tracking all of it. Striking back, the U.S. carrying out a wave of attacks in response to the killing of three U.S. service members. The Secretary of State arriving in the region. We intend to take additional strikes. Uh, an additional action to continue to send a clear message. Just ahead, the new warning from Iran this morning, live from the Middle East. Dead on arrival, the Speaker of the House vowing to tank the historic border deal reached by both parties in the Senate. And on defense over accusations, it's Donald Trump pulling the strings. Of course not. He's not calling the shots. So what's next? We're live in Washington. New problem. Boeing says it's discovered yet another issue with its troubled 737 MAX airplane, but the company revealed overnight and what it means for travelers. Those stories plus touchdown. The Chiefs and 49ers arriving in Vegas as Super Bowl week kicks off. We'll take you inside the building excitement as we count down to the big game. And ladies night. Women dominate the 66th Grammy Awards, a show filled with moving moments, show-stopping performances, and big surprises. I want to say thank you to the fans by telling you a secret that I've been keeping from you for the last two years. We've got all the highlights from music's biggest night today, Monday, February 5th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Morning, everybody. Welcome to you today. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning. Big night at the Grammys. Oh, come on. Rejoice, come on. Swifties. Not only did she win, there's a new record coming, but there was so much to love about this show. There really was. I mean, Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman together was the duet we've been begging for, and it happened. So we're going to have all of that and a lot more. And Celine Dion oh. surprising everyone, bringing down the house. Yep. So we'll have more on that. But let's start with this massive and life-threatening storm. Nearly 40 million under flood watches this morning. More than 30 million under wind alerts and some 700,000 people without power. It's the second major system to hit California in days. The National Weather Service calling this round, quote, the largest storm of the season. California's central coastline issued its very first ever hurricane force wind warning. And it's not over yet. Got this all covered, including where the storm is headed next. But let's begin with Liz Kreutz. She's in Santa Barbara for us, where rains flooded roadways and prompted some residents to evacuate. Liz, good morning. Hey, Savannah. Yeah, good morning to you. It's been a very active night here in Los Angeles with flooding landslides here in the Hollywood Hills neighborhood. You can see behind me this massive mudslide here tore through the area, forcing several people to evacuate overnight. It's damaged homes, damaged cars, pieces of people's property. Their fences are being swept away in the mud flow and the debris. This is one of several incidents that officials are responding to across the state as this storm pummels the region. This morning, torrential rain and powerful winds causing havoc across California. From San Francisco to San Diego, 38 million people, virtually the entire state, under flood watches. The monster storm toppling trees, causing spinouts and landslides. Among the hardest hit areas, Santa Barbara. 
Here in downtown Santa Barbara, it's already started flooding. We're about a foot deep here. Cars like this one have been trying to drive through, but others have been getting stuck. The tow truck coming to get them out. This nearby creek overflowing. Residents caught off guard. Don't go that way. It's yes, completely just go flooded. Okay. Police are now evacuating this neighborhood. They have this armored vehicle here. They're going door to door telling people to get out. I'm really not feeling safe. Throughout California, hundreds of thousands without power. The destructive atmospheric river now hitting Ventura and Los Angeles counties, where several communities are under preemptive evacuation orders and warnings. This has the potential to be a historic storm. In Northern California, drivers facing the first hurricane force wind warning ever issued for the California coast. There was very high wind on the bridge. In San Jose, the fire department rescuing six people, six dogs and nine puppies from the Guadalupe River as the dangerous high waters rush through. And nearby, this tree crashing into a home. Incredibly, nobody inside was hurt. Sleeping like seven feet away, just bam through the roof. And you can see the damage of that storm here. It's very dramatic. Thankfully, officials say everybody was able to get out safe and evacuate. But again, the storm is still very active. It's pouring down rain on us right now. And it's on the move. The storm is going south to Orange County, the Inland Empire, and San Diego. Those areas now bracing for a deluge of rain. The National Weather Service still warning of potentially life-threatening catastrophic flooding. Savannah. All right, Liz Kreutz, thank you very much. Poor Sal's closely uh, following the severe weather. What do you have, Al? Well, guys, unfortunately, this just continues with 34 million wind alerts, which are pretty strong, flood alerts for almost 40 million, and winter weather alerts for a million folks. You can see right now the heavy showers and thunderstorms are really concentrated down in Southern California. In fact, there's a flash flood warning in effect for Los Angeles County until 9 this morning Pacific time. Torrential rain will continue over Southern California today. And we're talking about debris flows, mudslides, a lot of flooding and a lot of road flooding. So it's going to be a big problem there today. Tomorrow, the heaviest rain is going to be Southern California moving into Arizona. Heavy snow from the Sierra to the Wasatch. Now, here's what we're most concerned about. There is a high risk of flooding. Los Angeles, Long Beach, Big Bear Lake, all the way down to almost San Diego. Rainfall rates of up to an inch per hour. Now, in these high-risk areas, that accounts for 80% of all flood damages on a given day and up to 40% of the fatalities. So we're really watching this very, very closely. It's a dangerous situation. Upwards of five to eight inches of rain for Los Angeles, seven to ten inches in the mountains, San Diego two to four inches, and we're going to look for anywhere another one to two inches as you move further to the north and snowfall amounts, the mountains of the Sierra, four to six feet possible before this is all over, guys. All right, now we'll check back with you in a bit for your national forecast. Yeah. And we turn now to the volatile situation in the Middle East, the U.S. carrying out dozens of strikes over the weekend in response to that deadly attack on a U.S. base. The Secretary of State now in the region and saying the U.S. is not finished. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, joins us with the very latest. Keir, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. And this morning we're hearing of another deadly drone strike by the same Iranian-backed militia targeted by the U.S. over the weekend. Kurdish forces in this region who are backed by the U.S. say that the strike on a base killed six of their, quote, commando fighters in eastern Syria. It's more troubling news for the Biden administration as the Secretary of State arrives in the region for another tour. This morning, Secretary Blinken traveling to Saudi Arabia, the U.S. battling on multiple fronts for a ceasefire and hostage release in Gaza. 
and against Iran. We intend to take additional strikes uh, and additional action to continue to send a clear message. Waves of American strikes against Iranian-backed militia went all weekend, including on Friday night in Syria and Iraq, hitting munition stores and drone factories, a response to the killing of three U.S. service members, their bodies arriving home as B-1 bombers took off from the U.S. On Saturday, a second operation, multinational and separate, the U.S. said, launched from the USS Dwight Eisenhower, 36 strikes in Yemen against 13 Houthi targets, disrupting shipping in the Red Sea. Yesterday, angry Iraqi leaders held funerals, the number of dead in double figures. But despite the Pentagon saying it targeted Iran's revolutionary guard, the strikes, heavily signaled in advance, did not kill high-value Iranian operatives. Not so far. Have you ruled out strikes inside Iran? I'm not going to get into what we've ruled in and ruled out. And now, Iran releasing a highly produced video in English warning the U.S. not to sink an Iranian ship, the Beshad, accused of helping the Houthis. Tracking data reviewed by NBC News shows the ship, some experts believe to be an Iranian spy vessel, close by when commercial shipping is targeted in the Red Sea and Gulf of Aden. As America prepared its response last week, NBC News watched the Beshad move away. And this morning, the Houthis issuing another defiant message despite, Savannah, those strikes over the weekend, insisting Yemen has the capability to defend itself and, they say, inflict severe blows on the enemy. Simply, Savannah, nothing has happened through this weekend that is de-escalating things in this region. Savannah? Not by a long shot. All right, Kier, thank you. Let's get some perspective on those airstrikes from Jeremy Bash, who served as chief of staff at both the Department of Defense and the CIA. Jeremy, good morning. So, good morning. from a military perspective, what do you make of this response so far? Friday's attacks, 85 targets, uh, seven locations using B-1B bombers out of Texas. I think this was tactically significant to degrade the capability of these Shia militia groups that are sponsored by Iran. Savannah, ultimately, whether it changes the calculus of Iran, that's what we call deterrence, whether it changes their minds and causes them to back off only time will tell. Well, as you said, the U.S. is hitting Iranian proxies. It is not hitting Iranian targets or hitting within Iran. Not yet anyway. So if you want to get that kind of deterrence, do you have to send a stronger message? I think more will come. And Jake Sullivan said as much on Meet the Press and other shows yesterday. So the administration is clearly not done. There are going to be more kinetic strikes, more airstrikes against targets. I don't think we're at the point where the administration wants to hit inside Iran. I think they view that right now as too escalatory, and they don't want a wider war. Well, let's broaden it out here, because the U.S. does not want the wider war. It it has essentially a proxy war already, as you and I have talked about many, many times. So the question is, is Iran getting what it wants here in terms of destabilizing the region? I think Iran is achieving some of its objectives. After all, before October 7th, Israel, the United States, and the Saudi Arabian kingdom We're on the cusp of a major historic peace deal. Iran wanted to disrupt that. And these attacks, these wars across the Middle East have been Iran's response. And so they have disrupted it and set back those peace efforts. Meanwhile, in Gaza, there is a deal on the table that would exchange the rest of the remaining hostages uh, for a ceasefire. Uh, No no word on how long a ceasefire might last. It, It seems to be the ball is in Hamas's court, that according to Israeli sources. So how do you see this playing out? 
Yeah, and I'm hearing from my sources as well is that Israel has effectively signed off on the negotiations. And now uh, Qatar and Egypt are pressuring Hamas to accept a deal that would return the hostages. Don't forget, Savannah, six Americans are still being held hostage by Hamas. Jeremy Bash, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Back in Washington, the battle over the border just hit another impasse. A landmark Senate deal aimed at toughening immigration laws is already facing stiff opposition from the House. NBC's Ryan Nobles is in D.C. with what happens next. Hey, Ryan, good morning. Hoda, good morning. This $118 billion package would get aid to the front lines in Ukraine and provide humanitarian assistance to those impacted by the war between Hamas and Israel. But the key aspect of this deal is the impact it would have on the southern border. And in, within minutes of its release, House Republicans were signaling that the immigration reforms were not enough and warned the bill won't even get a vote. After weeks of closed-door meetings, rumors, and promises, Senate negotiators finally revealed their plan to confront four different national security emergencies. The $118 billion package provides $60 billion to help support Ukraine, $14.1 billion for Israel, $4.8 billion to deal with China's growing reach, and perhaps the most important ingredient, $20 billion to fund a series of changes to the U.S. migration system. The border component designed to win over skeptical House Republicans who've been forecasting for weeks the potential deal may not be enough. Speaker Johnson posting overnight, quote, this bill is even worse than we expected, adding, if this bill reaches the House, it will be dead on arrival. Republicans in the Senate have called this the most conservative border proposal in a generation. It cuts off all migration when more than 5,000 people attempt to enter on a given day. It expands the number of detention facilities and raises the standard for migrants to qualify for asylum. But House Republicans who count immigration among their most important issues are feeling pressure from their base and former President Trump to oppose the package and instead place the blame for the border crisis on President Biden. The border is a disaster. Nobody's ever seen a border like this. Pressed by Kristen Welker on Meet the Press, Speaker Mike Johnson denied that Trump was exerting influence over his conference. Is Donald Trump calling the shots here, Mr. Speaker? Of course not. He's not calling the shots. I am calling the shots for the House. A new NBC News poll shows voters trust Trump more than Biden to deal with the border by 35 points. Now, with the proposal on the table, Republicans will be forced to decide between dealing with the issue now or wait and hope it will compel their voters to the polls in November. And despite Republican opposition, President Biden has already expressed his support for the package. In a statement, he called it, quote, the toughest and fairest set of border reforms in decades, and adding that he strongly supports it. Hoda? All right, Ryan Nobles for us there at the Capitol. Ryan, thank you. Corner after, we got Craig and Boeing with another mm -hmm. issue overnight. Yeah, Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well, folks. It's been one month now since that terrifying mid-air incident involving a Boeing 737 MAX plane. Well, now the company says it's found another quality glitch on that same fleet. NBC senior correspondent Tom Costello covers aviation for us. So, Tom, what more do we know about, about this latest issue? 
Yeah, Craig, good morning. So this is a new problem with the 737 MAX. It's been found and will now force this company to do more work on about 50 of its undelivered jets, potentially leading to delays of that fleet. Now, a source with knowledge of the situation tells NBC News Boeing's supplier, Spirit Aerosystems, they discovered two rivet holes that were misdrilled on 50 fuselages, 50 of the tubes, if you will, of the planes. Boeing's commercial chief says in a memo that an employee at the supplier flagged to his manager that two holes may not have been drilled exactly to our requirements, but emphasizing this is not an immediate issue and that existing 737s, this is important, existing 737s can continue flying. Spirit Aerosystems, for its part, says in a statement, once notified, we began immediate actions to identify and implement appropriate repair solutions. This is the latest safety concern for Boeing, just one month after that Alaska Airlines emergency landing when a door plug blew out of the side of that plane shortly after takeoff from Portland, then leading to the grounding of nearly every MAX 9 nationwide. And it comes five years after those two fatal MAX 8 crashes overseas and production problems with the 787. Boeing leadership says it is doubling down on quality control as the FAA is investigating the system breakdowns that have happened at Boeing. Craig. All right. More problems for Boeing. Our senior correspondent, Tom Costello. Tom, thank you. Let us get the rest of the forecast from Al. What's going on? All right, guys. Well, we already know what's happening out west with rain, snow, wind. But we're also looking at near record highs from the plains all the way down into the Gulf. We're going to look at that in more detail coming up in the next uh, 30 minutes. We're looking at strong storms down through Florida. Sunny skies again from the plains all the way into the northeast, Great Lakes and New England. How fantastic was this weekend? Hope you had a good one, too. Two days in a row of sunshine. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al. Thank you. Coming up, an emotional and historic night at the Grammys and a night dominated by women. Chloe Malas here to show us the big winners and bigger surprises. Good morning, Savannah. It was a huge night for Taylor Swift. Miley Cyrus and some of the biggest icons in music took the stage. We look forward to that, Chloe, and Taylor Swift's boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Does he Get need ready. that modifier? Uh, ready for uh, a little football game. Some of the girls have signs that say, I'm cheering <laughs> for Taylor's boyfriend. The Chiefs and 49ers ready in Vegas, and so are we. We're going to go live there, find out about all the excitement that's building. But first, this is today on NBC. That's like really Listen up, true crime fans. It's a big murder trial underway. This Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around I the mean, country. It is the twists, the turns, the With craziness. the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Break it down for us. Just You'll as get as fresh as insights and behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. That is bizarre. Stay in the, the know and up-to-date. So tell us what he said. It Follow Dateline True Crime Weekly to get new episodes starting Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with my NBC neighbor, Jimmy Fallon, to talk about his 10 years as host of The Tonight Show, reflecting on his long career in comedy, his years at SNL, and yes, landing the biggest job in late night. A little time backstage with Jimmy Fallon. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. 
Come on. Uh, Come on. 7.30. It's Monday. It's the 5th. Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs singing the duet of her song, Fast Car. We've been waiting for this moment to happen, yes. and it happened. Again, that song shot up on the iTunes chart. Um, is there a duet out on iTunes? Because it needs, it to, needs be. to be. I, I think like, that's right now. Here's the thing about that moment last night. It wasn't just the duet that we all yeah. loved and we've yeah. been waiting on. It was her facial yes. expression when Tracy Chapman realized yeah. that everyone there yeah. was realizing yes. at the same yes. time what was about to happen. Magic. And Luke Combs kind of being differential. Like, you yes. take the guitar. You take What it. a yes. moment for her to step out there and get her due in the yes. respect of the industry. It's oh. just yes. incredible. Yes. Just one of many highlights yep. from last night's show. It featured some moving moments, some surprises, legendary performances like that one. Celine Dion oh. with a surprise appearance. Wow. NBC Entertainment correspondent Chloe Veles, you had your work cut out yes. for you trying to get this down to a highlight reel. <laughs> I mean, I was like tearing up. And then I looked at your Instagram stories, Craig, and you're like, Every award show should follow what the Grammys Absolutely. did. And how good was Trevor Noah? Yeah. Oh, so he hosted perfect. this year's awards and he acknowledged women have dominated the music industry last year. And the night was filled with some really big winners like Miley Cyrus, who won her first ever Grammy and legends like Joni Mitchell and Billy Joel, who've proved they've got a lot more to offer in their already longstanding careers. It was a historic night at the 66th Annual Grammys, with women dominating the awards. From incredible performances to big wins, Taylor Swift taking home Album of the Year, becoming the first artist to win the award four times. All I want to do is keep being able to do this. I love it so much. While also accepting the award for pop vocal album for Midnight's, surprising fans with this announcement. My brand new album... Comes out April 19th. It's called the Tortured Poets Department. One of the night's biggest surprises, superstar Celine Dion, presenting Swift with the award, making her first public appearance since putting her career on hold while battling stiff person syndrome. When I say that um, I'm happy to be here, I really mean it from my heart. It was also a huge night for Miley Cyrus as well, who first won Best Pop Solo Performance for Flowers, and then again for Best Record of the Year. SZA also taking home three awards, including Best R&B Song. For others, it was a family affair. Billie Eilish, who won Song of the Year for the Barbie hit What Was I Made For with her brother Phineas. Jay-Z took the stage with 12-year-old daughter Blue Ivy, calling out the Recording Academy for never awarding Beyonce with Album of the Year, though she wasn't actually nominated this year. She has more Grammys than everyone and never won Album of the Year. One of the biggest moments of the night, a rare performance from Tracy Chapman, joining country star Luke Combs on the remake of her hit Fast Car. One of many heartfelt performances, including legendary artists paying tribute to those lost. Oprah even bringing Fantasia on stage for an electric performance for the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner. And for the first time in the show's history, 80-year-old Joni Mitchell moved the audience to tears as the night's host Trevor Noah presented her with her 10th Grammy Award. And the piano man himself, Billy Joel, debuted a new song, his first solo Grammy performance in 30 years. And songwriter Victoria Monet also took home a Grammy for Best New Artist. And as for Taylor Swift, after her first big win of the night, she shared her new album cover on Instagram, writing, All's fair in love and poetry. That comes out in April.
Okay. Thank, Thank you, Chloe. Chloe. Thank you. For more on last night's historic Grammy Awards, we turn to Joe Levy, entertainment editor at Observer. Mm-hmm. Hi, Joe. Hey, Good Joe. morning. Good to see you. We think it's one of the best Grammy yes. shows ever. Ever. What was the highlight for you? It was a good show. So many <laughs> emotional highlights. Yeah. So many real moments, whether that was Miley Cyrus's acceptance speeches, which you felt like anything could happen, yeah. <laughs> um, or these surprise performances. Tracy Chapman, did we know that was going to happen? Uh-huh. And it was like Luke Combs was joining Tracy yeah. yes. Chapman. Chapman, not the other way around. He gave her her Annie deal. Lennox singing, honoring Sinead O'Connor, mm-hmm. and that Joni Mitchell performance. Oh. The Grammys like to say it's a once-in-a-lifetime moment, right? Last night, it really felt like it. Let's talk about Taylor. She really dominated last night. First of all, did you expect She really that? dominated last night. <laughs> she really dominated, period. In, in general. In general. Yeah, but what did you think? Because a lot of people did not pick her to win Album of the Year, yet here she was. You know, I thought it was a bit of a toss-up. I thought there was a chance that SZA might win, um, but she made history. She is the only four-time winner. So Frank Sinatra's won three times, Paul Simon, Stevie Wonder, Taylor Swift, now four. But, you know, we talk about Taylor dominating the night last night. Taylor dominates every part of the conversation. Football now, too. Football now, politics. New record, though. That was a cool way to reveal it right then and there. Oh, uh, the new album. Yeah. Yeah, The Tortured Poets Department. She has declared herself the chairman of the uh, Tortured Poets Department. I'm so here for Tortured Poets. The Swifties thought that it was going to be an announcement of uh, Taylor's version of uh, Reputation, and instead a brand new album. Set the set the internet on fire. You know, it, it was it, to your point. There were so many moving moments. The production value of the Grammys, it seems like over the past few, few years, has just gone from here to here. Like they they give the people what they want. The it's a really scene. interesting combination. The way they've changed it to make it more intimate up front. They're yeah. in they're in this giant arena, but it doesn't feel like it. And those moments that just kept coming, Celine Dion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Talk about that. Uh, Would you? That was amazing. Celine Dion is uh, struggling with this neurological disorder. She's had to cancel her tour. She may or may not ever be able to sing again. She walks out on stage to thunderous applause. She's visibly moved. So many moments where we were tearing up or I'm not afraid to admit it, actually crying. what, What moved you to tears? Uh, the Joni Mitchell segment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with, yeah. Without any doubt. This is kind of a, a repeat of what we saw of footage from the Newport Folk Festival yeah. in 2022. I, I, again, we did not know if we would ever hear her sing again yeah. after a brain aneurysm yeah. in 2015. And just to see those musicians gathered yeah. lovingly around her, all of them yes. fighting back tears, yes. all of them. Yeah. And I was home with you know, me and my cat on the couch. <laughs> okay, exactly. I like cried. The cat was kind of mellow. There's a lot of dust in yeah. your apartment. Yeah. Uh, no. Joe, thank, no, you. thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. All right. Still to come, we are taking a turn to an historic case. Jurors will start deliberating today in the trial of the mother of a high school shooter, which she told them before they decided her fate. First up, the big game shining even brighter this year under those bright lights in Vegas. Our Kaylee Hartong has made her way to the strip. She's there to cover all the Super Bowl hype. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, guys, with six days to go, you might think we'd be in the calm before the storm of Super Bowl 58. But this is Vegas. The party never stops here. The teams have arrived and coming up, we will show you the welcome they received that only fabulous Las Vegas could provide. Stay with us. 
If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Countdown to Super Bowl 58 is on just six days until the biggest game of the year. Teams are there. Mm-hmm. Fans are arriving. Kickoff can't get here soon yeah. enough. Kaylee Hartung is there. <laughs> yes. She's ready. She's live in Las Vegas. The Chiefs, the Niners will face off on Sunday. Kaylee got there early to get a good seat. <laughs> Hi, Kaylee. Good morning. Hey, good morning from Las Vegas, guys. This place knows how to throw a party, but the scope of a Super Bowl, well, that's as big as it gets. This city has been preparing for this moment for two years. The NFL commissioner says it will be an extraordinary experience. And the excitement, well, it's lighting up Sin City. Touchdown in Las Vegas. The Chiefs and 49ers arriving to kick off Super Bowl 58 week. Niners faithful, braving a Bay Area storm to send off their team, while this Kansas City neighborhood rallied for their neighbor, rookie Rasheed Rice. And on the other side, excitement building with a very Vegas welcome for both teams. Sin City urging the 49ers to do it for the Bay, as the team landed overnight, getting ready to take on the chief superstars like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And how about a seat to watch them face off? StubHub has more than 3,000 tickets still available. It would set you back $5,500, but that's not deterring fans. In fact, sales have already surpassed last year's Super Bowl. Some 330,000 fans are expected to descend on the Strip this week, likely including the highest-profile member of Chiefs Kingdom. Though Super Bowl prep kept Travis Kelsey from escorting girlfriend Taylor Swift to the Grammys, fans are hopeful she'll be able to cheer him on this weekend. Considering she'll be on stage in Japan for her record-breaking Eras tour just a day before the big game, Swifties have done the math. She has lots of time. Now even the Embassy of Japan is weighing in with an official statement. Despite the 12-hour flight and 17-hour time difference, the Embassy can confidently speak now to say Swift should comfortably arrive in Las Vegas before the Super Bowl begins. This is the first time the city of Las Vegas has played host to a Super Bowl. Kansas City trying to pull off a third championship win in the last five seasons. But oddsmakers are calling San Francisco the favorite as they look to take home the Lombardi Trophy for the first time in three decades. Vegas' high stakes not distracting anyone from the task at hand. Yeah, Vegas, brought, you know, the street, the strip, the, all the lights, it is what it is. But what's really cool would be winning the Super Bowl. Well, as cool as this view is, the players won't be seeing much of it. 
The teams are staying about 14 miles away from the Strip, but we will get to see all of them tonight at Super Bowl's opening night, the official kickoff for Super Bowl week. Guys, here in Vegas, it promises to be an extravaganza unlike any other. So stay tuned. Okay. Got it. Kaylee, thank you. We will see you a little bit later. We've got a great story about the Niners cheerleaders who are very impressive on and off the field. Double dip of Kaylee today. It's going to be good. All right, Mr. Roker, how about a check of the weather? All right, guys. How about another mild day for a good portion of the country? We're talking anywhere from 10 to 30 degrees above average. Minneapolis going to be near 50. That's 23 degrees average above average. Little Rock, 60. Charleston, 57. 13 degrees warmer than average. And then tomorrow, Buffalo, you get in on the action with a 39-degree high. Springfield, 59. Cheyenne, 51. And then as we head toward the latter part of the week, temperature's seasonal, but still awfully nice. Upper 40s in New York City, mid to upper 50s down in Richmond, Chicago. You're going to be flirting with 60 degrees on Thursday. And that is your latest weather. Guys, coming up in Popstart, Al, two more big reveals from our Super Bowl commercial kickoff, including a Hollywood star taking a bite out of a new role. Oh, Still ahead this morning, guys, we've got an inside look at the life of a 49ers cheerleader. We'll meet the sideline stars, including a financial analyst, a neuroscientist. Yeah, they do a lot more than just cheer. They balance their professions and their passion. All right, I'll stick around for that segment, Savannah. (laughs) And then coming up on pop star, Ben Affleck, pop star. See how the actor's poking a little bit of fun at himself in a really funny new ad. In fact, I've got a couple new ads for you, pop star coming up. 